Part 1. Mind. Let's Talk Story. Fall Quarter, 1991. Kauai, Hawaii. Second grade. Age 8. I loved story at an early age, just not in the rigid way I came to learn in school we were supposed to. I cared about the heart first, and later, its balance with the head. I was infinitely curious about people. I'd ask questions. What are you eating? I was hungry for their connection to the food. Why are you mad at auntie? I wanted to understand their relationship to others, but more, their relationship to self. Where were you born? I craved the origin of the person, their ideas about place and belonging. I was born on Kauai, on nine and a half acres of land at the end of a mile-long gravel and dirt driveway at 9.13 p.m. on the summer solstice. My mother birthed me on their tent platform, our temporary shelter while the real house was being built. But the house took longer. They always do. And we'd live in our tent village for the first two years of my life. I was told I was two weeks late. I like to think I was right on time. I've learned to know the hour and minute of your birth is to know the placement of the planets at the moment of your ascension, which can reveal another layer of self, clues to your destiny. I needed all the direction I could find as I searched for purpose my entire life, not realizing the stars couldn't show me what I had to discover on my own, that the position was already filled by my mother. What do you first remember? Sometimes it's a smell or a sensation. My memory with story begins with the sweet, damp scent of cardboard. Pressed between boxes in the back seat of our SUV, my mother was driving a horse trainer to the airport. He'd been visiting from Honolulu for the day to help with the combative Palomino stallion she had bought to breed. It was a school day, but I had one of those stomach aches that went away as soon as I was allowed to stay home. The windows down, air conditioning something they used on the mainland. We cruised down Kuhio Highway from Kapa'a to Lahui. My mother's laughter lifted, a warm embrace, soothed by the sound of her voice, the cadence of her stories, an exclamation at the end of all her sentences. Their conversation as good as any show, we didn't have TV growing up, but nothing ever mattered to me as long as I was with her. I needed her and she needed to be needed, the perfect existence for the little me to feel safe and loved and a miserable one once I grew up, my worthiness measured on how thoroughly I gave of myself. I love sitting quiet, I told her after, listening to you talk. I'm glad, a smile in her voice, contented that she was my son and I, her moon. I assumed I was fed because it was my mother. I thought it was her voice and her stories and her presence. And some of it was, after all. My greatest satisfaction was to please her, my happiness linked to her own. But as it were, my connection to story wasn't hers. It will take another two decades, and my mother's death, for me to face what it felt like to no longer be one half of her whole. Cracked open, turned right side out, I'll discover my true voice, or my love of story was actually mine. Purpose. August 2014, Concord, California. One year and three months since my mother's death. Age 31. 
It was the first night of the second attempt of weaning my one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, Violet. The plan was Violet and my husband, Tom, would sleep in the house, while Autumn, my three-and-a-half-year-old, and I would camp in the back of our small SUV in our driveway. The car needed to be cooled first and then leveled on cement blocks because its angle made us feel like all the blood would rush to our feet while we slept. I rigged rags through a crack in the windows to black out the glare from the streetlights and so we wouldn't suffocate before the sun finally set. Concord in the East Bay wasn't considered the desert, but to me it was. Dry and harsh and unforgiving. Autumn was in an age where adventure without a solid plan didn't hold fear like it would in five years' time. She didn't know about desperation, that I was grasping. We were car camping because I was sick, more sick than any blood or saliva test or passing mom in the park could name, my physical body shutting down in a scary way, my mother not there to fix it. I couldn't drive alone on the interstate anymore, the speed and the energy of all the cars too much. It would take an hour of wrangling the girls ready for the park, so that by the time we arrived and I played with them, I couldn't trust I'd have enough to get back in the car and make it home, which led to panic, which led to my inability to be out in the world with them alone. My unraveling was unique to me, but the feeling universal. By the time I realized I needed help, it was already too late. Little freedom slowly fell away until a solo drive down side streets to pick up books from the library. Too much. A walk around our neighborhood block even with Tom by my side, too much. An overall belief that I couldn't handle what was being asked of me. But my reality hadn't always been this way. After she'd lived with the progressive autoimmune disease scleroderma for 15 years, my mother died when Violet was a three-month-old. At first, there was ease to our day-to-day, something that hadn't existed for years, where I no longer carried the burden of being sandwiched between caregiving to young children and a sick parent at the same time. No negotiating wheelchairs or hearing about life-saving blood transfusions over the phone. No managing expectations during family visits or arguments over how I was parenting Autumn. For months after her death, I thrived in my motherly duties. Ballet and gymnastics, the pool and playdates, dinner and laundry, all while tandem breastfeeding two growing sisters. As I had when she was alive, I latched on to the impression of my mother's presence, all her strength without her disease. But no one ever warned me it was a limited container, and once emptied, I'd be left with my overwhelming grief. Relief of her passing turned into the reality that I couldn't, that I never learned to, survive without my mother. Grief requires space and consistent support. It asks for time, rest, for quiet reflection. It needed all the things I was already lacking and then at 11 months Violet started to walk and everything that was once mostly possible became completely impossible. Two children needed me at the same time in different directions and I couldn't. I never got more than a three-hour stretch of sleep. For three and a half years, I breastfed through the night. To give my symptoms a diagnosis is to say my experience was singular. If it was caused by one thing, I wouldn't be where I was but it was clear that sleep deprivation was at the top. Tom would take the girls for a couple of hours most Sundays. He'd put them in his bike trailer and they'd go play. Every time he'd come back expectant. Did you rest? Every time. Do you feel better? I never knew how to explain two hours on a Sunday wouldn't make what was wrong go away. 
I had turned from my mother's daughter to my daughter's mother, which meant I wasn't just mentally and physically sick. I was soul sick, each season losing another piece of myself. Two hours on a Sunday was like a lick of water when I could drink a whole gallon. But living in the desert, I knew about thirst. It's just the girls did too, and Violet was still thirsty for mother's milk. When we tried weaning Violet a month prior with me in the house at night, she found me in whatever room I was in and would scream and cry for three hours straight. Violet's many things, but her strong will makes her a dynamic person and a very challenging child. Car camping might have seemed extreme, because it was, but no more so than all the other creative ways we had to adapt as our parents. Here, Autumn, wedged inside the back passenger door, I held up a small white cap full of milky liquid. We'd gathered all the furnishings for our new home, including the glamorous neon bucket in the front seat for when I woke up in the middle of the night to pee. Already in her worn with love pink and white striped PJs, Autumn's legs folded under her. She perched on top of the sleeping pad I'd made up with sheets and a blanket, her coloring like Tom's, short, dark ringlets with clear, penetrating blue eyes. Eyes when fixed on you made you do a double take. Drink it, like this. She looked at the milky liquid and then at me, not so easily tricked into swallowing something disgusting. I hadn't tasted it, so I couldn't promise her, but I tried. It's sweet, yummy. I pulled it to her nose. See? like oranges. She shook her head. Her curls bounced against her soft, cherub cheeks. It'll help with your leg cramps, I told her, with sleep. A magnesium supplement I'd gotten from our naturopath to help Autumn's foot and leg cramps to fall asleep easier and stay asleep. Now I know that for Autumn, growing pains are real, and she's a night owl who comes alive as soon as the house turns quiet. But then I just thought there was something out of balance. Somewhere I was falling short. If I could have smashed the liquid into some cheddar bunnies, maybe then, but I kept nudging, knowing, just like Violet, that Autumn held all the power because I willingly gave it to them, which perhaps was my biggest shortcoming as a mother and as a person. I'd given away my power my whole life. Autumn relented, taking the cap to her lips, and if nothing else got resolved, at least there was that. Before having Autumn, I carried a lot of unconscious assumptions. The most damaging being that for me, a nurture by nature, child rearing would be easy. But motherhood doesn't just require what we're good at. It mirrors back all the areas where we're lacking, that were never developed, that need attention. I didn't realize that our children, like all relationships, are here not just as a fun accessory, but a tool for our growth. I'm Jasmine Rasmussen, author and narrator of Saved, a memoir on purpose. Join me weekly for an oral telling of my novel, written in verse and prose, broken into short, digestible episodes. I'll guide you through my journey back to self. Click the link below to subscribe or go to jasminealiarasmussen.substack.com to find out more.